What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts, And on this episode, she devoted her life to saving big cats. He devoted his to showcasing them. Their showdown would captivate the nation. We're talking about Peacock's dramatic take on the Tiger King saga, Joe versus Carol. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, former my husband and love of what, my what? life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Man. I, I, my I, husband and former love of my life, Kevin <laughs> Flynn. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought yes. I forgot to say TV journalist. I, I'm That's sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I got a box ready to go. I'm I sorry. Got all the important I'm sorry. Stuff Do you have a bunch of, I'm sorry. Do you have a plane that you can fly to Costa Rica in? Oh, well, don't tell me. dubious endings. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of Dead on Deadline, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, meow, meow. I only wish I was wearing my Carol Baskin shirt, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, with Toby Ball still on his endless vacation. (laughs) Just kidding. Joining us again this week is our special guest, the host of the HBO Docs Club podcast, Ronald Young Jr. Welcome back, Ronald. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, Kevin, uh, so, Kevin, it is so wonderful and fun. That's why we're all laughing to have Ronald back. What is coming up in this podcast? You know he's plotting Toby's demise, right? 100%. Yeah. We all are. What is yeah. coming up? Okay. God, by the way, Ronald, just so you know, Toby does not listen to this podcast, so you can say whatever you want about him. (laughs) What is coming up on next Monday's podcast? Well, we have a Crime Writers on Classic episode. We're going to go back to our 2019 review of Over My Dead Body, Joe Exotic. Wow! Remember, it's the source material for today's show that we're talking about, but it was also sort of our first- It's pre-Tiger King. It's pre-Tiger King. This was our first- exposure to this story that we have now consumed many, many, many hours of. And it spawned the most famous thing Toby has ever said on this podcast. That he enjoys a feud among subcultures. A feud be- yes, a feud among- that's actually a t-shirt that you can buy in our merch store, yes, exactly, right? Exactly. I enjoy a feud among subcultures. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say that the following Monday, 
On April 4th, we're going to be back to our bi-weekly schedule. And on that Monday, we're going to be starting with the documentary Undercurrent, The Disappearance of Kim Wall on HBO Max. I think you mean our twice-weekly schedule, which bi-weekly also means. Bi-weekly means both things. It means every other weekend, twice-weekly. Right? It does. English, it, it man. Legit means both things. By the way, that documentary is directed by Aaron, Aaron Lee Carr. Carr. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm actually looking forward to watching that one. So, Ronald, I have a quick question for you before we get started with our review. Sure. You are now the host of the HBO Docs Club podcast. Congratulations. Thank so, you very much. So you're, Co-host with Brittany Luce. Shout out to Brittany Luce. Oh, my God. Brittany is so amazing. So you are hosting a podcast about documentaries on HBO, right? I am. I host a podcast for Netflix about documentaries on Netflix. Wow. Are we enemies? We are mortal enemies. There's a blood feud <laughs> between HBO and Netflix. However, I am a contractor. So am so, I. Okay, I think we're good. We're just mercenaries. Yeah, we're mercenaries. Yeah, we're just is this, mercenaries. Is this we're a good. feud among subcultures? I think we're okay. I don't, think, I don't think it counts this time. We're like kind of adjacent to the feud. Yes. If anything. Laura yes. and I would start one on Hulu documentaries, mm. but it would only mm-hmm. be Sasquatch and the Von Dutch thing. <laughs> so... Uh, no, you get the fire festival. You get the fire festival. Oh, they yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. So my so my like secret plan for this is the other way that we could monetize this, Ronald, besides mm-hmm. our gigs with our respective gigs with HBO and Netflix, is that we could go on a conference tour and like yes. you and I and Brittany could be the panelists on like yes. how to do podcasts about TV yes. documentaries. I'm yes, I'm in. Sign who me else up. could do it besides us? Pitch it. I'm in. Sign me up. I'm in. Let's go. I'm already packed. Let's yeah. Go. I mean, we're like the pinnacle, right? This is yeah. amazing. I'm so glad, by the way, you got that gig. Like, the, who's, there's no one better. Like, there's no Thank one you. better in the world to talk about pop culture than you. And, and Brittany is fantastic. I'm just very, very excited for you. So congratulations. Thank you. I'm over the moon. And I'm I'd glad like to, to be here, though. I'm oh, glad yeah. to be here. I want to. I really want to say that, like, you guys invite me back, and I love working with y'all so much. Um, and I love both. You guys are great. So, and yeah, thanks for having me. It's it's good to be back in this chair. Yeah, we love as having just you. Being with HBO, we Dox. love having yeah. you. And the social media reaction to last week's episode has been so positive. <laughs> Yeah, I can tell. It's yeah, it's been overwhelming. What an incredible seven days! Well, I know, right? incredible. I mean, the way that time and space works. Of course, oh, our listeners, man. people who actually know us, those know tweets that, last forever. I mean, we didn't tape this show right before we taped our last show at all. No. Uh, we, a whole no. week no. has passed. No. No. It's, no. Like, it's like an episode of HGTV where everyone it's, has to yeah. wear the same clothes every day for continuity. Continuity is. <laughs> it's like a line from my most recent Leave It to Bricker, where a place was open nine to nine to nine to nine because it was actually. <laughs> just open 24 hours a day. Okay. <laughs> nine to nine to nine. <laughs> you just see one white cashier just at the front, just like with bloodshot red eyes. Just like, uh-huh. yeah, I'm still here. We're open and we're closed. And we're open. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a lot. So I think we should just get to this week's review. What do you think, Kevin? Let's do this. All right. I'm going to go ahead and drop that first clip. Joe hired a hitman? Yes. Joe can afford a hitman? <laughs> Mrs. Baskin, do you know why Mr. Maldonado Passage would engage a murder for hire? Yes. He is a psychopath who wishes me dead. Carol Baskin runs a Florida sanctuary for tigers and other big cats with her doting husband, Howard. Her efforts to stop a traveling cub petting operation sends her on a collision course with zookeeper and entertainer Joe Exotic, 
who sees Carol as an existential threat to his livelihood. You think you can just cut the head off my business and I'm going to be okay with it? Well, I'm not okay with it. I'm a fiery fucking phoenix, Carol Baskin. And when I burn up, I'm just going to rise my own goddamn ashes, fucking bitch. And I'm going to fucking shit! But the mercurial Joe responds to Carol's escalating legal maneuvers with oddball schemes and ever-increasing erratic behavior. When the self-proclaimed Tiger King fails to intimidate the animal advocate into backing down, Joe Exotic turns to some unsavory characters for a permanent solution to his problem. That tattoo yours mean what I think it means? So what if it does? Then I got a job for you. I want you to kill Carol Baskin. Based on season two of the podcast, Over My Dead Body, the eight-part Peacock series, Joe vs. Carol, stars Kate McKinnon and John Cameron Mitchell. While played for laughs and sections, the dramatized retelling regards its lead characters with more sympathy and depth than either have previously received in pop culture. It doesn't bring anything new to the Tiger King legend, but it streamlines the story while examining it through a new emotional prism. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Joe vs. Carol. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Lara Bricker. Yes. Why do we need another version of this story? We've had so many. Well, because we all know I love Carol Baskin for the cats. And I feel like the Tiger King and the other documentaries and the other media we've consumed, Carol has been, you know, they've really played up this. She killed her husband. She fed him to the tigers, all this stuff. And I feel like having Kate McKinnon in this role and having much more insight into Carol's like personal relationships, romantic relationships, and also her actual dedication to the cats. I mean, we have a lot going on in this about her efforts to get legislation passed to end cub petting. And that's what she thought the Tiger King was going to be about. As we know, she's told us that's what she thought they were doing when they came out from Netflix. And that was not actually the direction the story went. So while we still do have this absurd back and forth with her and Joe with all these cast of characters on both sides. I feel like this to me was a humanity in Carol Baskin that we have not seen in other portrayals of her. Hello there, cats. Hey, cats. Hey, cats. Hey, fat cats and kittens and kittens. You courageous cats, cuddly cats, cute cats, kooky cats, kinky cats. (laughs) Hey, all you you cool cats and kittens. By the way, every time I see her on her little bike in the opening scene, I'm like, she's listening to Crime Writers On because that's when she listens to our podcast is when she's biking her 10 miles every morning. Kevin Flynn, you also sent a note, which was, uh, is this retelling even necessary? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it is a good question. We, we keep seeing a pattern of great stuff that comes out as a podcast that gets made into a documentary and a movie. And, you know, the IP keeps getting repurposed. It seems like a lot of uh, producers just keep using podcasts as their test market for different stories. But look, the fact that, you know, the Tiger King phenomenon happened, you know, I don't know if the IP for the podcast was optioned before or after that. So I don't know whether or not, you know, other than the fact that somebody thought they could make some money off it, whether we needed this. But I did appreciate that it took kind of a different direction and streamline the story. I finally could follow the timeline of how shit got from, you know, a stolen website to a hitman. And I think it added the emotion 
and depth of character that we don't really get from either the original podcast or the documentary, even though they've got cameras in everybody's faces for years. These people come through on a different level on both sides of this conflict. All right. So I'm going to come to you in a second, Ronald, because I have a lot to say, but I just want to say one thing really quick which is that I am so fucking sick of all the bullshit sexist shit that's been made about Carol. Mm -hmm. And I was very happy that this series was not just a bunch of more bullshit, sexist, misogynistic stuff about Carol and whether or not she murdered her ex-husband, which she most definitely did not freaking do. I mean, this is so unlikely and stupid that that has been the focus of all this other media about her especially when we literally see all these other men commit actual crimes on camera. And I'm just very relieved that this series was not about that. The one thing I really liked was that it sort of focused on different aspects of her. I did like the weird kooky relationship stuff with her and Howard, even though, yeah. you know, I mean, that was a weird angle to take, but, you know, it was different. Well, we he comes off weird. He yeah. comes off nerdy in the documentary. Yes. And in this case, when we see that the dramatic portrayals at home, it's just charming in that way right. that it doesn't change from being nerdy and maybe a little stiff but it makes it like they love each other because of that you that know? being said ronald that sent a said. note that i also agree with which you sort of characterize as the quote biopic problem can you please talk about that so with biopics and it's funny i'm I, i'm glad i got to guest host on two biopics so i can talk about it being well done and it being not so well done and i think joe versus carol as a biopic it was problematic for me because you have a uh, the what i call the biopic problem which is you have to provide too much context to create a story that isn't always as clean as the story they're trying to tell so like the real story in the documentaries and the stuff that we read and all that that's the real story it's always like spaced out in a way that's not nearly as clean as what you need for a viewer to watch a dramatization of whatever that is. So it forces the creator to imagine stories they don't have facts for in order to create a clean story. And it also means that I'm asking questions about the biopic based on interactions that seem fake. I mentioned this in last week's episode about wondering if Elizabeth Holmes was really dancing in her uh, room, <laughs> worshiping the poster of Steve Jobs. Whereas here, I and I and I stop asking those questions as the series goes on because it sucks me into the actual story. This did not suck me into the story. And I think the problem with Joe versus Carol is that only a very short two years ago, and it doesn't even feel like two years because we were trapped inside the whole time. <laughs> the world was riveted by Tiger King. Riv like riveted. Might as well. It could be 20, could be two. Who knows? Like it could be yesterday, could be today. Who knows? But we were riveted by Tiger King. And I think when they established these two characters, we were watching and we got to hear these people out of their own mouths establish who they were, say stuff and all that. Now, I agree with you, Rebecca. I think that there was a lot of ways in which they were unfair, especially to Carol. You read more and you see the way she's spoken out. It feels very unfair. This feels like there's a definitely a lot of correction going on in the Joe versus Carol series. But at times I was watching it and wondered if the creators 
had decided they had decided who was right and who was wrong in this conflict, which I'm not I'm actually not mad at that because I don't think it matters. It just felt a little more obvious in this one that they were sympathizing with Carol, which I don't know, Carol, and I I don't know the facts or the details of any of this case. And I know she's a listener, so that's not me coming to hate on you. Carol. <laughs> but it is to say that in terms of making this work, it felt a little more obvious. It didn't necessarily feel as objective as it could have been. But I don't know if that's a problem. Yeah. So here's the other thing that I found myself wondering. You're talking about the biopic problem. And Kevin, I have a question for you. Mm. Imagine you hadn't watched Tiger King. You hadn't listened to this podcast. Would this thing make any sense at all? Or would you just think it was like the most bizarre piece of television you had ever seen? Because this is why I'm asking. Because last week we talked about the dropout, right? Yeah. Which is about a real story. And I believe the dropout, if you knew nothing, had heard nothing about it, sort of like uh, the social network, which we compared it to, which I believe you could show the social network to someone who had flown here from Mars and it would be an interesting piece of like media. I think the dropout stands on its own without even you knowing that it's a true story. This thing, because the story is so absurd. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, how much do you have to already be immersed in and care about this story to be able to watch and potentially enjoy this? Well, I I don't think you really have to have consumed any of the earlier stories or watched Dancing with the Stars or anything like that. I've heard from people in our Facebook group that they knew a lot about the story and their spouse sat down and didn't watch Tiger King and, (laughs) and was watching this with them and like, is this real? Did this really happen? Because it does have these farcical tones to it that they are very interesting characters in an unusual situation. And so, yeah, it's totally bigger than life. They do a good job with that, I want to say. Yeah. Um, If I can cut in, like, I I call it the merry band of misfits. And it seems like you're like, how can this really be real? But I feel like they leaned into the absurdity of these merry band of misfits in a way that was both accurate, but also left like this sort of feeling of fun about it. Like, you know, you have a a part where like Joe is like on a Las Vegas stage. We have one of the guys like listening to ridiculous music driving around. You know, they definitely don't shy away from the fact that the people that gravitate, like I always say, like I was a horse person. I'm like, horse people are crazy. I'm like, clearly big cat people are crazy too. (laughs) And in like a nice way, because it draws in sort of eccentric characters. And I think that really came Wait, through. Wait, not in a nice way. I think big cat people are crazy in a not nice way. I mean, I'm Thank a cat you. person yes, and I am totally crazy cat person. I have yeah. nothing but to say. Big cat people are crazy in a not nice way because they in are a different yes. way from keeping cat people big too. cats yeah. in cages and that is not okay. Well, remember yeah. in New Hampshire last year, remember we had the serval on the run yes. that like somebody had and it was like, oh my gosh, it was like, a whole, and they were putting out the chickens in the cage to capture it. I'm like, what in the heck? And and they said it could only be with the people in the house that it knew. Yes. Because it was imprinted on them. If anyone came in, it was going to like kill them. Yes. Like, what the it's fuck? like the chimpanzee that rip off your face. Yes. I just want to jump in real quick and say, I think we're we're missing one thing, which is that this work really depends on things that you need to know from the documentary, okay. almost in an Easter eggy way, like yeah. even the way they do the music. For instance, when she's trying to figure out her catchphrase, hey, all there, you cool cats and kittens. That's a lot of Kate McKinnon doing a lot of takes of funny stuff that Carol says. But the music actually changes when she says, hey, there, you cool cats and kittens. And all of us that have seen Tiger King are like, oh, yeah, yeah no, that's her catchphrase. That's what she's doing. And there's several other beats in the story in which 
which like, for instance, when Joe Exotic turns to his, well, he's trying to ta- holler at John Finley and he says, hey, do you watch porn? We all know where that's going. Like, I feel like I feel like there's several times in there where they're actually playing out scenes that they know, like, OK, everyone watch this on Netflix. Let's make sure we got to get make sure we put these things in there or people are going to notice if they're not there. So I think there's ways in which the show and then at the very end, they actually reference Netflix when he's in prison. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. the Netflix documentary. I'm like, OK, so you guys are admitting that you're standing on top of the Netflix documentary to make this dramatization. And I think for me now. I'm getting amped. Let me bring it down. Wow. Oh my God, please don't have I think you're going to have a heart attack, Big Ron. I know, right? I got to chill. But no, but watching that, it kind of like watching that, it kind of, for me, I'm just like, okay, so you're building on top of the documentary and that's fine. And when you choose someone like Kate McKinnon, who was accomplished at impressions, accomplished at impressions. And in a this comedian, case, right? And a comedian, yes. Excellent comic timing, all of that. When you pick her for this role, even when you announce her for this role, all of us were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. We can see it. And I feel like they lean into those aspects to create this show. So for me, if for people who didn't know the story, if you watch this, it just seems like a crazy TV show. But if you know the story, it's like it's a crazy TV show. But like, did they nail it? And for me, I, I, I didn't feel like they did. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30 pound sea bass and a 10 inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. All right, let's uh, put the claws away <laughs> for a minute, and let's no, talk some sheath business. Sheath the claws. Sheath the claws. Is actually the proper oh, lingo, okay. yes. All right, let's talk about what's coming up on Patreon. Let's do it. Well, because Toby's away, and you know, we can only we Yay, can't press our Toby's away. The mice will play. <laughs> we can't press our luck too much with uh, Ronald anymore because <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've squeezed all the juice out of that lemon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we don't have an after show, but we have something special in the Patreon feed. We have our first outtakes tape. Outtakes Palooza. Outtakes Palooza. Wow. I can't say they're all funny. Yeah. They're just outtakes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there is us yelling at each other and swearing and things okay. like that. All so. I know is this. I haven't heard the outtakes, Palooza. Yeah. But you said to me, Rebecca, do you have the files of all of our outtakes since, like, what was it, March of 2021 or whatever? Anything after that. I had Mar- stuff up to that, but everything older was, than I that. I literally went into my, like, Seagate backup drive and transferred, like, 400 files. It was, yeah. To the, so I don't know what's going to be in this Outtakes Palooza, but it's probably going to be pretty outtakey. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Uh, we also have the latest edition of Leave it to Bricker, in which Lara um, is investigating a spa in her quaint AF 
town She's of Exeter, New Hampshire. She's busting a sex trafficking ring. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And coming up soon, we'll have a new episode of Married with Podcast mm-hmm. in which we, a married couple, yes. tell you married couples, unmarried couples, people with uh, other questions. We yes. give you relationship advice. Probably and amorous like couples. Yeah. Let's not be so well, like That'd be a great question again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm. This is so We don't know how to answer it's, it, but we can a, try. It's a very Joe Exotic kind of question. We are just so ignorant in the realm of anything that's not a little bit vanilla, but we'll try. We'll do yeah. whatever we can. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of like, how do you solve that fight? I don't know. Pick one of them. No, we don't know. There well, you go. We'll do our best. We're very sex positive <laughs> on Mary's <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Kevin, take the laptop, leave the dildo, Rebecca. Uh, That's right. Do we have any Patreon? That's what they said in Joe Exotic. Yes, it's true. That's right. It's true. Kevin, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week, Kevin? Our Patreon patron saints are Courtney Anderson and Amber Barber. Bless you. All right. That was my line. Yeah, I stole it. Courtney and Amber, thank you. And Kevin, if people want all that Patreon content, how do they get it? Uh, They go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. And thus ends. Thus ends the business section. The business section. I'm going to fade that music out right now. Okay, so Kevin, one of the things they try to balance here, which is very interesting to me, because I think that we saw this also like in maybe Tiger King season two, yeah, was this attempt to um, sort of make us at least, if not sympathize with Joe Exotic, understand Joe Exotic by showing more of his backstory. You know, pricks like him won't leave us alone till we're back in the closet or dead. Now, I got a whole laugh now. I got someone who loves me, and I ain't going quietly. It's just a flag, Joe. It's not just a fucking flag, and you know it. First of all, by the way, I do think that John Cameron Mitchell's portrayal of Joe Exotic was really outstanding, in my opinion. I may be alone in that. But I don't think that he comes off necessarily as somebody you're rooting for here. But there is a sense sort of of, like, understanding at least where he is coming from, if not where he ends up. Yeah, I think in this case, they have properly reframed Joe Exotic as an antagonist. During Tiger King, he was super charismatic and- and, Like an uh, anti-hero, Like an anti-hero, and that people started cheering for him, sort of looking past his abuses of animals and his abuses of people and his totally self-destructive obsession- with this woman, and people are like, "Wow, he's just—he's great." And he talks funny, he's like, ah, yeah, you know, God damn it, you fucking Carol Baskin, you know. And it just—he—he he was, he was kind of like Ruth from Ozark. It's, it's that's very that's close, exactly right? the same as your Ruth from right. Ozark impression. In by this way. case, in this one, in this retelling, he is the villain, but it's also like the best villains are the most colorful and fun to watch. So we have fun watching him, though, as a villain. Batman is a stiff. The Joker is funny as fucking hell, and we love watching the Joker, but we don't root for the Joker. We want Batman to catch the Joker. And in this way, I think that's... Carolyn of herself, and you should probably tell you, isn't like the most dynamic, exciting person, but she's very sincere. I think they do justice by both of these characters by giving them depth. We finally get to see a little more emotion and pathos in his backstory, growing up and, and trying to live a life as a gay man in Texas and in Oklahoma and, you know, sort of the reason why he gravitated towards animals. Like, those are all, like, really interesting and compelling stories in and of themselves if you didn't know sort of, like, where his life went after that. And 
I think this is one of the biggest image rehabilitations we've seen in a long time between these two characters. Yeah, but I think there's an... By characters, I mean people, right? Yeah, but there's some conflict I have with the Joe stuff. I mean, I think it's really interesting. Okay, keep in mind, we're talking about real people. These are fictionalizations Mm, of real people. But fake fake tigers. Yes. Oh, my God. We'll talk about that in a second. Come on. But So I'm just going to say the caveat. Like, I'm going to talk about this like it's real, but I'm talking about the fictionalization of the real people. Okay, so we see this really interesting and wonderful portrayal of joe and his first like the love of his life right that he was with yeah. for a long time and he dies and then we see joe in kind of a predatory way he like gets all these like young men and like it's predatory i'm sorry he is not forming like real romantic attachments to these young men no he's basically sexually harassing them sexually abusing them i think mm-hmm. there's a case to be made that john perhaps wasn't attracted to men to begin with and Joe I don't think so at sort all. of like yeah, roped so him in to this uh in this relationship in a predatory way um at least yeah, he later said there was a lot of drugs and, at least in the way that yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. show portrays it like we don't really know that for sure but like at least you sort of see that like perhaps he's trying to recreate and seek something that he mm-hmm. lost yeah if that's true that's interesting and sad yeah okay who knows, though, if it's true? Okay, but I do know that the Carol and Howard relationship is accurately portrayed, if not true. Like dialogue isn't real. But I do know the relationship is accurately, accurately portrayed. You know how? How? Because Carol Baskin posted on her Facebook page that the relationship is accurately portrayed. She basically posted on her Facebook page, because we're Facebook friends, that Oh, yeah. Not like tons of this wasn't true. Like a lot of these things. I would never say that. I would never do that. But the one thing it captured, she said, is like the spirit of our relationship and how we are with each other Mm. and like how we love each other. And I will tell you, he did wear that fucking caveman costume. Yeah, we saw that. Yeah. The Flintstone costume. My God. I wish I had gone to that wedding. That looked exciting. At least we know there's that, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) At least we know there's that that we can lean on. And I do like it, by the way, that her daughter was also uh, portrayed in the show because we never saw her daughter in any of the other media that we saw about this. Um, So, Laura, we need to talk about the CGI tigers. (laughs) (laughs) because I can't stand to watch anything with cruelty to animals in it. But here we basically have cartoon tigers. And by the way, we don't see a ton of cruelty to animals in this. They they don't really do a lot of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's the tiger cowering on the ground with the helicopters. There's the one tiger scene with the baby tiger being raked out of the cage. There's obviously the assassination of the tigers. But they're basically cartoon tigers. (laughs) What did you think about that? Um, that was kind of trippy. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, wow, huh? I mean, I think it was an interesting choice. And again, I think based on kind of what is at, like I was saying before, in the beginning, at the heart of this portrayal of Carol, is that what she's actually for is like not mistreating big cats and good for them that they didn't use big cats, real big cats in this documentary. But it was pretty freaking weird to look at them. Like, Cause sometimes I look at them and I'd be like, wait a minute. No, no. Cause like they'd move and then they'd look even more fake or, or like, <laughs> like weird. And you're like, Ooh. so it was interesting. Um, I think the one that freaked me out the most was like the baby when it was doc Ansel, when they were in that like legislative hearing and he was like carrying around this little tiger cub baby, that baby Yoda. I really would like to know who sneaked a tiger into Congress. 
That sounds yeah. like a like a fact check that me. No, that actually happened. Really? Yeah, no, they actually brought the tiger in. Yeah. Into, oh, fucking How did hell. they do that? I think that was. Pl- you said sneaked. I think you meant snoked. They snoked yeah, a tiger. I don't think they actually <laughs> sneaked it in. I think that was actually part of the. You know, they can bring exhibits. And well, they made it sound like I just happened to have. But you know, it, inside like, my gender. Come here, girls. Like, like, tiger in my, tiger. There's a tiger in my pants. I'm not just happy to see you. Ronald, what did, Ronald, what did you think about the CGI tigers? Uh, I mean, the tigers creep me out. The tigers creep me out in every iteration that I've seen them. <laughs> I've seen my friends take pictures, not friends. I've seen my Facebook colleagues <laughs> take pictures of uh, tigers, them with tigers. I've seen Siegfried and Roy with tigers, Roy with tigers. I've seen the Tiger King, of course. And even these CGI tigers, tigers just scare me. I don't like I just feel like at any minute they're going to go tiger, as Chris Rock would say. (laughs) So I'm like, I just I don't want to be a part of it. But knowing that it was CGI, it was so obviously CGI. And I think there were times where I I was just like, there wasn't a practical effect you guys could have done on this. Like, I mean, if Jurassic Park is somehow making these dinosaurs look real, it just feels like if you guys know you have a show in which you're going to have to CGI the tigers in, maybe you bump up that part of the budget. But it also like generally the budget for the show didn't seem like it was astronomical to begin with and they might have spent it all going to australia to film it but it, <laughs> they could have paid more money like to make the tigers just seem a little bit more realistic it's like the tigers were good enough to pass but not <laughs> just uh, just unnatural enough to let you know that they weren't real tigers so you're not yeah. freaking out about See, that I like but it. if they had decided to go the route of we're going to use real tigers who would we, they get the tigers from? Doc Anto. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, that ain't happening. So I liked the CGI tigers, and here's why. Because mm-hmm. I cannot handle anything that has to do with animals being upset. That's fair. Can't yeah. handle it. Even that scene with the tiger, with the lion on the ground being upset by the helicopter, even yeah. if I knew it was a fake lion and it looked really real, it would have very much upset me. But the fact that the lion looked fake as fuck, <laughs> like it was funny. <laughs> the lion cowering on the ground looked like a cartoon lion being like, I'm afraid. Yeah. It looked like it looked like the lion from the Wizard of Oz, for God's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could tell sometimes they were using a cat or a dog that in post was going, you know, like even Joe Exotic, references. Yeah. Okay, even Joe Exotic shooting five tigers, which is a very upsetting scene. I was it like, was very upset. I was like, cartoon tiger, cartoon tiger, cartoon tiger. Yeah, that's right. And I am like, I cannot even handle the mention of harm to an animal in yeah. a thing. But in this thing, I was just like, I know the tigers died in real life. I've already mourned that. All right, cartoon tigers, I guess you're about to get shot right now. Well, do you guys think it was an editorial or, say, creative decision that we're told that there's abuse going on at all these places, but we really don't see that? No, we never see it. So do you think that's a decision for the audience that it's okay to know, but we're not going to show you these others? Because I remember from the podcast, there was this scene where one of the tigers got out of the cage and walked around the Joe Exotic Zoo well, there are a bunch of people on a tour, and that guy Rick, who was the uh, the cameraman, the right, yeah. the filmmaker, like waved somebody over, and they got the tiger out. And then later that night, you're like, "Come on over here, this fucking tiger!" And he shoots the tiger. Yeah, right. Which was just and the feeding them but, rotten meat. It's feeding them rotten meat. Right. We don't see a lot of and that. The monkeys and so the I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that was a purposeful decision that we're just gonna say there's abuse? And we'll mm-hmm. just show where we absolutely have to, which is the shooting of the tigers. But beyond that, we're not going to see a lot of cruelty. 
Yeah, because I think it was more about the characters of Joe and Carol. And obviously, there's enough talk about what's going on. And I think it was focusing on this dynamic between the two of them. I don't know how much of an appetite people have to watch actual cruelty to animals. I mean, you can hint about it, you can talk about it, but it's really hard to watch it. And I, you know, I've talked about this in the past when I was still doing defense investigations. Like I was always like, please don't give me the animal cases. Like I just, I can't handle it. Um, And I think, you know, we're coming out of third year here of COVID life. Like people don't want to see that. What do you think, Ron? Was that a a deliberate choice? I don't know. Cause, and, and you know what, it didn't occur to me that they, we didn't see any animal abuse until you said it. And it kind of strengthens my earlier argument of saying like, you definitely need the tiger King as the one Oh one to get to one Oh two of Joe versus Carol, because I'm sitting there and I'm like, no, I knew about the abuse. I knew he was an abuser, but now that you're pointing it out, it kind of softens Joe a little bit more because you're showing all of these ways in which we could be sympathetic towards Joe exotic. But if you don't actually show him abusing animals and even the way in which he kills his tigers is a way that like you could sympathize with Joe, like, oh, I don't want to lose my tigers. I love my tigers. You know what I mean? Like, they're yeah. even he's showing crying. It in way- yeah, yeah, he's crying. He's, he's struggling with it. So it almost feels like he's making a sacrifice in that case. So without it, Kevin, it feels like they dropped the ball a little yeah. bit. And I'm not mm. and to be clear, I don't want to see animal abuse, but at least like, you know, do the same thing they did with shooting the tigers where you show it off camera. Like yeah. you hear the sound, you know, it's happening. I don't think they and sold like, that. We see him yeah. abuse people. Exactly. That's what I'm yeah, saying. They right. But we that. see him abuse people way more in this than exactly. we see him abuse people in the, in the, in the yeah. other, in the show, in the podcast. Like, I think the stuff with Travis and then not being able to leave. Oh, that was so upsetting. Everybody's got a purpose here except for me. I want a purpose. A purpose? I gave you a place where no one's going to fucking hurt you. So you just want to leave me, huh? Just like John. What are you talking about, Joe? I don't want to leave you. I'm just, I just want something. Don't play fucking stupid with me. Is that lock on the gate to keep people out? Or to keep us in? The portrayal with the Travis Maldonado stuff, I thought, was incredible. It was great. It was incredible. Like, all that casting was great. All those portrayals were great. I do want to talk about one bit of casting that you made a note about, Ronald. Uh, <laughs> Dean Winters as Jeff Lowe. <laughs> Our friend Cassidy from SVU slash Mayhem from the In the criminal justice system. <laughs> uh, so Dean Winters, my old friend, Dean Winters, what did you think of his casting as Jeff Lowe? So I love Dean Winters. Me and, too. <laughs> uh, I, I love him in everything. And I don't want to talk about his range because I don't. I don't he's think just he's Dean Winters. To, yes, when, like, when Dean like Winters shows Morgan up, Morgan Freeman of white people, right? He's correct. just Dean Winters as Dean Winters. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And when he shows up, he's going to Dean Winters. And there's times <laughs> in which that that really works. It works in Oz. It works in Rescue Me. It works Ooh, in Rescue Long, Me. Yeah, where he's he's like doing a great job, just Dean Wintersing it up. In this one. One, I can tell he's having fun. If I knew where he was, I would have turned that piece of shit in myself. Oh, fucker gutted my zoo. You have anything to do with the murder for hire Glover told us about? Yeah, what I heard? No, I, I try not to associate myself with shady individuals like that. Really? You seem to be mixed up with a lot of them in this case. Yeah, well, you think you know some people, right? You can <laughs> tell, like, he's having a good time in this. But two, it, it feels like they're just like, hey, you're playing Jeff Lowe. He looked up Jeff Lowe and says, oh, Jeff Lowe is an asshole. So I just also (laughs) have to be an (laughs) asshole. And he's like, oh, I can do that. And he comes in and he does that, which is fine. But to me, I'm saying like, like, I think the same casting criticism I have of of all of this is that all of these uh, folks that were picked for these roles 
were picked to do like the big, like you pick Kate McKinnon because she's kooky and she could do the kooky stuff. You pick John Cameron Mitchell. You pick him because he's able to do the accent and, and physically he's from embody. Texas too in real life. Exactly. Yeah. So he, <laughs> he can do it. But I feel like what people forget, and this is why I love Amanda Seafried in the dropout, is that there is a range of human emotions in the person in front of you that have little to do with what their public persona and what the hey all cool cats and kittens beyond that you have to play angry sad all of that and i think that's what dean winters i'm looking i'm like you just got dean winters you didn't get you're not gonna get a range of emotions on jeff lowe from dean winters on this you get a range of anger <laughs> exactly <laughs> just varying <laughs> ranges of, range of anger and in a leather jacket but that's why the small performances is it nat wolf is travis maldonado sam yes. keely is john finley those small performances were really good and Kyle McLaughlin, too. Can I mention, okay, Kyle McLaughlin, give him an Oscar for television. Uh, <laughs> well, it's called an Emmy, right? <laughs> whatever. Give him one of those. I think William Finkter did well. I think the guy who plays Brian Van Holt did a great job. Like, there's, you're right. There's a lot of supporting characters in there that I think watching them, it started to pull me out of biopic mode. But it just felt like as soon as Joe and Carol came back in, I was like, it's too zany for me. There, this is this is just over the top. I don't I don't know what's happening anymore. So, Laura, you sent me a note about wanting to be in the writers' room for this show. Why is that? That's because there were so many lines that to me were like so absurd and funny and like just over the top. And I'm like, oh my god. I would have just laughed hysterically if I had been in this room when they came, like may her tit get caught in her own meat grinder. When Joe (laughs) exotic is like, I'm like Yosemite Sam on meth. When there's a scene when he's like, take the laptop, leave the dildo. Yeah. The Joe for governor. I've tried drugs. I've had some kinky sex. If you're a pot smoker or a meth addict, you're okay. I'm like, like who came up? Like, I just loved all these lines. I'm like, oh my God. Like, can you imagine just sitting around and you're like, what absurd line can we come up with now to add to these merry band of misfits that are following Joe Exotic around? So I, I, I thought that part was a lot of fun. Kevin, I really loved it when his campaign manager was like, you're pulling an 8%. He's like, that's pretty good. And he was like, among libertarians. (laughs) (laughs) What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. All right, well, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Joe versus Carol? It is the series on Peacock about the well-trod story of Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Joe versus Carol? 
Well, I think if you are somebody that wanted more of the human side, as opposed to just the completely absurd side that you saw in the Tiger King, you're going to like this. So I, I liked it because I've corresponded with Carol over the years about our mutual cat love, but also there was other issues that she wanted and she thought were going to be brought up in the next Netflix um, series about the cats. And I feel like this did a really good job, not only humanizing Carol, but also humanizing Joe and putting them both in a way that we could really relate to them in a more authentic way than just like the complete sideshow way that we had in the Tiger King. And, you know, I want to say the trial, there was a a part at the end. um, We didn't talk about it in the review, but I loved it because it's like Carol throughout the entire series is wearing always cat print, always, always. And she goes into the trial and she's got her mauve shirt on. And it made me laugh because in the beginning, when she and Howard got together, he had like a mauve kitchen and that was considered <laughs> boring. And I was like, so it's like, it, I was like, how ironic that she picked mauve for her oh, courtroom a small scene. Deed. I didn't pick up on that. Nicely done, yeah. Laura. So, you know, I thought it was entertaining, but it was also, there was a lot more about the legislation about the cats. And I have to say like Kate McKinnon's accent and the inflection with which she did Carol Baskin's voice was so accurate as somebody who has actually talked to Carol. I was like, wow. So yes, she was playing a role like she does in SNL, but it was listening to it very similar. So I would say thumbs up. Ronald Young Jr., thumbs up or thumbs down for Joe versus Carol. It is a no for me, dog. I give it a thumbs down. Like for me, it was too soon. Like I think to do it this soon after Tiger King swept the nation and we had seen all of that to then kind of retell that story. It felt a little bit weary for me. I even found myself around five or six episodes in like just being surprised that there was more uh, <laughs> and, and, not, and not exactly being ready to uh, like continue watching and having the whole uh, episode on the courtroom and then the the, the break in the courtroom scene where he's like performing at one point and it, it like goes into surrealism oh, in a I way that it that. hadn't yeah for the rest of yeah because your brain blocked it out in uh, <laughs> like in the way that it hadn't for the rest of the series i i didn't really enjoy it and i think that most people who watch this are going to forget that it existed soon after uh, after they stop watching it it'll, it will uh seep out of your mind so i it just it I, and it probably wasn't for me but my thing is if you are into the big cat world if you're a huge fan of Tiger King, if you're a huge fan of Carol Baskin, of Joe Exotic, of all of the lore, then you will probably enjoy this. Like, I'm not like, yeah, that's not me. And that's not me hating on anyone who did enjoy it, Laura Bricker or anyone else. Oh, no, you <laughs> need to get a cat. Ronald, on your review, you can be thumbs down and not apologize to the thumbs up people. It is okay. Yeah, no, I just don't like to make anybody feel bad. But yeah, I, I, I it's not for me. But I mean, you know, kudos to cats. <laughs> I will say, oh, Ronald, you sent me one note that we did not get to during the conversation. I just want to read right now. This probably mm-hmm. would have been a very good musical. I'm surprised that okay. wasn't the adaptation they went with. Yep. Now, look, like, come on, y'all think about this. Like, had this been a musical, they had some good songs in there, wrote a songbook, all that. I'm, about, I'm like, let's go see this on Broadway. That's what <laughs> right. thinking about. That's right. It, and it should. It should. This is crazy enough. Like, if they could actually make the musical Cats 
into a, a crazy movie. <laughs> <laughs> no first Carol into a musical. Come on, that's right. Mean Girls is a musical. That's Come right. <laughs> yeah, all the tigers could be puppets this time. Yeah. Kevin Flynn, what about you? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Joe versus Carol on Peacock? Like I'm going thumbs up. I mean, I think if you come to it. Having watched Tiger King, you come to this either a proponent of Joe or a fan of Carol's, and you don't like the other one. And I think after watching this, you'll be surprised at how you feel about that other person. Because I think that they did a very good job of humanizing them and taking the caricature, I'm going to make up a word, caricature-ness. Of sure. The, of, the, <laughs> of, of how I mean, they were portrayed. I mean, you just suggested a Joe versus Carol musical, so you can say whatever the hell you want now. <laughs> right. true. I also think that Kate McKinnon's character did a better job of explaining Carol Baskin than Carol has ever had or be given the opportunity to do herself or been able to do herself. I thought that the way that the, sort of the things we learned about her backstory explain a lot about her views of the world, and there was an opportunity that was taken uh it's sympathetic it's fun it tells the story in a straight way and all the tigers are actually just computer generated so (laughs) i'm loving it thumbs up all right so i am gonna give this a thumbs up i'm gonna say ronald i don't disagree with a lot of what you said but there's a thing (laughs) about this that i really liked i really liked how feminist it was yeah. Okay. So I think that a all the other media about Carol Baskin has been so misogynistic, and it was so refreshing to see something that wasn't. So I liked that. A, I also liked, and there's just one scene, and I I know this is supposed to be spoiler free, but there's one scene I just want to mention really quickly. There's a scene at a dinner party in this show where Carol Baskin's character sort of very casually talks about some domestic abuse. That she suffered and sort of yes. has the feelings box thing where she just talks about it very lightly and everyone at the table is kind of shocked. But. It's not just today. It's every day. Every day I am so angry. Can you tell me what you're angry about? The judge. Joe's lawyer. Joe. Doc Antle. Jeff Lowe. My first husband. My second husband. Men. All these men who treat me like shit. And that, to me, like really speaks to exactly the person that we hear in the the podcast that this mm-hmm. is based on, because we actually hear that. We hear her sort of talk about the abuse that she suffered in a very kind of like, oh, he was in a car with a gun. Somewhat detached, yes, which, which, which rubs so some people wrong. Yeah, speaks to a victim of trauma in a way that mm-hmm. we've never seen accurately portrayed about her, which so speaks to like why she cares so much about like saving these animals and why she cares so much about taking bad guys down. And I I really love that feminist undercurrent here so much that for me it made up for some of the many, many, many shortcomings of this series. And also like there's a fun element to it that I like, the CGI tigers. So I have to say, just in terms of like, I'm not rating it like by itself as a standalone thing, like the dropout, which is just excellent that we reviewed last week. I'm just saying, compared to other Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin media, this is a good one. So I'm gonna give it a thumbs up in that regard. Didn't do Carol wrong. It's more feminist than all of them, so I got to give it a thumbs up. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of of the week. week. Speaking of feuds between subcultures, it's finally come to a head in the battle between California mailmen 
and belligerent wild turkeys. For many months, the letter carriers have been complaining about giant, aggressive turkeys in a Sacramento County neighborhood. They've used pepper sprays and sacks full of mail to defend themselves from the enormous birds. Now the Department of Fish and Wildlife is investigating an incident in which a mailman killed an attacking turkey with a stick. Conservation officers are developing theories to the turkey's combative behavior. There is one house in the neighborhood feeding the wild birds a near unlimited amount of food. Come on, Norman, stop that. (laughs) That's probably why they're abnormally (laughs) large and territorial. Strangely, the gargantuan birds are only targeting delivery people like UPS drivers and the Postal Service and leaving homeowners alone. Officials are investigating the carrier's claim that the killing was in self-defense. Fish and wildlife are working with the post office to find a solution before mating season begins next month. So, panel, my question for you is, why are the turkeys so angry? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Well, as somebody who actually has been attacked in a vehicle by a turkey, you know. Oh, my God. (laughs) um, I'm just saying. So and and it was mating season when I this turkey was like going around my car like a shark. Well, you look fine, Laura. That's why. (laughs) <laughs> no, it, I think it was like, so they see their reflections. So perhaps there was something with the male vehicles where they're seeing these reflections of themselves. Because for, for me, it was it was circling because it was thought it, I was another turkey because it could see itself and, and it was puffing up and everything like that. So I don't know. I mean, I think they think that the male guys are honing in on their women or something. So right. that's my theory. That was very specific and a little bit too like scientific, probably. <laughs> Uh, Ronald Young Jr., why do you think these turkeys are so angry? All right, listen here. You said they are attacking UPS drivers and the Postal Service, leaving homeowners alone. Yeah. I hear you mention nothing about them attacking Amazon drivers. True. Oh. Yo, those are Bezos birds. (laughs) (laughs) The wrong set over there. That's what's happening. (laughs) What do you think, Kevin? Why are these birds so angry? They just want their check. (laughs) (laughs) Where's my stimmy, Joe? (laughs) I just haven't even heard the lambs screaming, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, that's going to do. But before we go, Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? We do. It's an adorable little puppy named Winnie. Oh, it's a dog. It's a dog yes, of the week this week. my favorite week. kind of animal. And Winnie comes to us from Lindsay. Um, hello, crime writers. Almost a year ago, my sweet strolling dog Maddie was cat of the week. I lost her last April, one month shy of her 17th birthday and misses her. She's so grateful she got to be cat of the week. Now she is nominating her new Sheltie puppy, Winnie. She wasn't sure when she was going to be ready for a new dog, but then she met Winnie and fell in love again. She can tell that Winnie has been sent straight from her older sister because they share so many similarities. She's sweet and sassy and loves to guard the patio. They listen to crime writers on, on their walks and are having two episodes a week is great for Winnie's walking schedule. Mm. You guys are the best. Love Lindsay and Winnie. Winnie also has an Instagram full of all of her adventures. (laughs) That is a crazy dog lady right there. All right, Laura Bricker, if people want to send their uh, new puppies to you that they have used to fill the cat shaped hole in their hearts, how can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Laura Bricker. And Ronald Young Jr., what is your incredible social media handle people can use to find you on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at Oh, it's big Ron. That's at O H I T S B I G R O N. Oh, thank you so much, Ron, for, for joining us these two weeks. What? It's so incredible. Yeah, this has been great. So I love, I love working with y'all. Unbelievable. <laughs> Kevin Flynn, how can people find you to tell you that we should 
to have Ronald Young Jr. back on the show. You just got to go to www.twitter.com <laughs> slash Kevin P. Flynn. Right, along with Mandy Matney, right? Yep. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoie. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On. And please join our amazing community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the Crime Writers On after show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker, Sex Ring Sting Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the very handsome Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin P. Flynn. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we play with our CGI-created camels. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you later. Later. All right. Ready? Yes. I just got the best chair from my office, by the way. <laughs> I should have to start talking. Sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. I was literally had my mouth open to say, I'm Rebecca Lavoie. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution.